You're listening to Rock of Ages, where I introduce my friends who are much into music theater to different types of pop and rock music. And sometimes they'll introduce me to some theater music. Today we're talking about Billy Joel, the stranger. With me, I have a new person today, we, uh, Romy's friend, Melissa. Hello. And as always, we have Romy. Hi. Riley. Hey. And Isaiah. Heart attack, 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 attack. <laughs> The Stranger is the fifth studio album by American singer Billy Joel, released on September 29th, 1977 under Columbia Records and Family Productions. The producer is Phil Ramone, and the genres are piano rock and pop rock. Now I'm going to oh, read... <laughs> oh, God. What an album that would have been. They're everywhere. <laughs> Stranger, <laughs> Ramone's cover. <laughs> yeah. Str- Billy Joel, Stranger Things. <laughs> when is Billy it's Joel going to cover Running Up That Hill? <laughs> oh, no. A Ramones cover of the Stranger song would be like 78 seconds long, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> and scenes from an Italian restaurant would be less seconds. I mean, fair. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm going to read the all music review from Stephen Thomas Irwine. Billy Joel teamed up with Phil Ramone, a famed engineer who had just scored his first producing hits with Art Garfunkel's Breakaway and Paul Simon's Still Crazy After All These Years for The Stranger, his follow-up to Turnstiles. Joel still favored big sweeping melodies, but Ramone convinced him to streamline his arrangements and clean up the production. The results aren't necessarily revelatory since he covered so much ground on Turnstiles, but the commercialism of The Stranger is a bit of a surprise. None of his ballads have been as sweet or slick as Just The Way You Are, He never had created a rocker as bouncy or infectious as only the good die young, and the glossy production of She's Always a Woman disguises its latent misogynist streak. Joel balanced such radio-ready material with a series of New York vignettes, seemingly inspired by Springsteen's working-class fables, and clearly intended to be the artistic centerpieces of the album. They do provide The Stranger with the feel of a concept album, yet there is no true thematic connection between the pieces and the lyrics are often vague or mean-spirited. His lyrical shortcomings are overshadowed by his musical strengths. Even if his melodies sound more Broadway than Beatles, the epic suite scenes from an Italian restaurant feels like a show-stopping closer, there's no denying that the melodies of each song on The Stranger are memorable, so much so that they strengthen the weaker portions of the album. Joel rarely wrote a set of songs better than those on The Stranger, nor did he often deliver an album as consistently listenable. Do I even need to ask? It's a good one. <laughs> this so damn good. So good. Yeah, I'm. I I don't recognize the song for myself right now for some reason. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I can't recognize songs by name. That, that's fair. Uh, but me, um, this is a hood classic. Like, you got so many good songs on here. You got it's such a consistent run. You got moving out, the stranger, just the way you are. See some Italian restaurant, Vienna, only the good die young. She's always a woman. The last two. It's such a good album. I 
partially agree. I do like get it right the first time a lot. The, the closer track is kind of that one. Yeah, uh, yeah get, get it right the first time. I actually do like that one too, but if you were to ask someone on the street, get it right the first time, who wrote that? They'll say, what? I have, yeah, did exactly. you just make up that song? What? But like, what? if you just uh, if you if you said like any of the first seven songs and say like who wrote that, they they'd obviously say Billy Joel. But mm-hmm. the, the like the last two songs, they don't they they don't they make don't as big waves. They 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 make some like decent unpretentious ripples, but uh, they don't have the staying power of those first seven songs. It's weird. Mm. And uh, the the title track is playing in our cans right now. Um, I know everyone says this about schizophrenia. I think I do agree with her, but uh, if you want my 10 cents on this subject, it's it's also about how uh, people, other people, like, perceive you in their heads. Like, sometimes their perceptions are so different from how you see yourself that if they told you how they see you, you'd think that other person was a stranger. That's, that stranger isn't always good or bad, but ultimately, the stranger outweighs you. The song is so yeah. fire, though. Deep. Yeah, it's so deep. Yeah, deep. It's a little so bit relatable. I pumped this shit freshman year like, high school. But Riley, okay, Riley's oh, story, story is ha- what happened with the voice channel, like the Fred Boat, all that story. I don't think they need to know about the Fred Boat drama. <laughs> okay. The Fred Boat oh. incident, 2022. How <laughs> <No>, about the <laughs> drama? Yeah. The Fred Boat Mercury incident of 2022. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of incidences, um, we took two weeks off recording because not everyone could show up for this, but uh, we're back and we have a new person here. Hi. Ooh. Hello. Hola. Comment ça va? Yeah. Yeah. French mama? Bonitiwa. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I, I need to learn more languages because the main, my main language is Google Translate. I keep <laughs> I'm a messing bit of a up Frenchman languages. myself. <laughs> Yeah. Wait, Isaiah, are you taking AP French right now? I'm yeah, I'm in French for AP right now. Oh, nice. And that does not mean that I'm fluent in the language at all. Oh, mood. I, I know a I couple words. In, I know a couple words in several languages. Yeah. I know like at least one word in like several. I took Italian for five years. I completely forgot oh, everything no. once I left. Yeah, <laughs> I. Yeah, same thing with French for me. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, yeah I. Same with French. I just forgot, I mean, I like, I still can half kind of, of understand. Them. I mean, I did take Spanish for three years. I was gonna move to AP Spanish, but I had to drop that class for something else. But I still kind of understand Spanish. Kind of? I don't know. Yeah. I Honestly, unders- it depends. I am- don't understand. <laughs> I am interested in a bit in learning German and relearning Italian. But I think I'm content with the language I have right now, even if it is kind of a flawed language. It can't, like, it can't... Fair. Has anyone seen those videos like, English can't do as much as these languages? <laughs> I have Duolingo well, on my English phone. Has, uh, I can, like, them. that's my main source. <laughs> I practice Spanish English over Duolingo. Has them. The Duolingo owl is standing outside my window right now. I can see him. <laughs> the Duolingo... Is video called... The, the Duolingo owl is a, a canon owl house watcher, and that makes me happy. Duolingo oh, owl house. <laughs> Duolingo and Hootie are lovers. You, that is true. You can't deny it. Who do, what do you think? Did uh, the song we're listening to right now, Just the Way You Are, did Duolingo Owl sing this to Hootie or did Hootie sing this to Duolingo Owl? Ooh, that's a good question. I, I think Hootie's singing to Duolingo Owl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all. Um, <laughs> all Hootie singing is always a good mental image. Yeah. <laughs> 
But uh, this is the song Billy Joel sang uh, to Oscar while uh, Marley Matlin was signing it, and then she hugged him, and Oscar was like, "No, not this." Um, I shared it earlier in the, the server. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can look it up on YouTube. So yeah. since we're currently talking about the Owl House, did you hear? Did you guys hear that the entirety of Thanks to Them was leaked? I oh, did, no. but I'm not it's watching it. I'm not. It's amphibious all over again. You can't make me look at the leaks, guys. You're not gonna make me. Yeah. I'm gonna stay strong. You know, I've got the strength that... of Billy Joel's The Stranger on my side. Yeah, did you know that the first episode of the Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared TV show was leaked, uh, like, a year ago? And, like, when it came what? out officially, it was, like, li the exact same episode. Mm. Wow. Oh, my. Oh, wow. That is impressive. Indeed. But anyway, um, I love this song because it's, like, schloppy, gloppy, gloopy, smushy, wishy stuff. And it knows full well that it is. And it doesn't have a single tongue in its cheek. It's playing it all sincerely, and that's why yeah, and I'm it, invested. And I find it, it works. weirdly unsettling. I don't know why. <laughs> it works. It freaking works. Mm -hmm. Great, great song, but it's like it has a tiny bit of creepy in it. I, this is just vital signs again. How is it? How does this sound like vital signs? No, no, no. Like you know how I said that vital signs was scary. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you ridicule me for it. This is the same thing. Yeah, vital signs is not scary, guys. It's just just because the song has a slight reggae influence in it does not make it scary. <laughs> um, back to Duolingo. Did you see that video uh, posted in chat? Uh, Duolingo sentences are madness. <laughs> the, the thumbnail is a guy yeah. saying, "Where yeah. can we hide the bodies?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Love it. I love that. Mm -hmm. Let's hide the bodies in the backyard. I, I saw one on Twitter Yay. where it was like, "I don't go looking for problems. Problems come looking for me." <laughs> <laughs> Wait, um... And then, and then I'm pro- and then just have someone to say I'm problems. I'm- <laughs> I'm still looking for you. Where are you? You've been hiding for ages. <laughs> There's a whole, um, Twitter feed about strange Duolingo sentences. I'm looking at it right now, yeah. <laughs> Fish drink water. <laughs> water. <laughs> the president is in danger. I am the danger. <laughs> I am the one who knocks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, um, let's talk more about this album. Uh, fun fact, um, Billy originally wanted, uh, George Martin to produce this album. <laughs> George Martin as in that George Martin. What but was George Martin doing after the Beatles? Stuff, I guess. I don't know. He kind of, he kind of disappeared, <laughs> he but he, uh, he was always there. He made an album called, uh, In My Life, which was just Beatles songs covered by people like Goldie Hawn, Robin Williams, Phil Collins, uh, Sean Connery. And Sean Connery, uh, okay. said a long time ago that he was not a fan of the Beatles. Hypocrite! <laughs> Maybe he switched his tone. I mean, I know oh, wait, George oh, Martin did the Love Project. He, al like he also music. produced the soundtrack album to that movie. <laughs> Oh no, yes. the Sgt. Pepper soundtrack! Oh. oh, that's our- oh, you should know, Melissa, the Sgt. Pepper's movie soundtrack is the absolute worst thing we've ever had to listen to. Oh no. And we didn't yeah, want to listen to it. Lot. You see, there's this, uh, 
There's this lunatic on this pod project named Cade who took over the last two Junes, and that we so we could he we could only listen to what he wanted us to listen to, which kind of defeats the purpose of the podcast. But now those days are over, and I'm gonna make sure they're over. Yeah. No, but let's let's move on from that. Um, the best song of all time is playing right now. Ooh, fighting words. The best Billy Joel song of all time. Oh. Ooh, even more fighting words. What would you say is the best Billy Joel song? I have no idea. <laughs> this is a strong piano artist. Piano Bendy. man. Oh, like, piano. Ooh, that's controversial. Piano yeah. man. <laughs> I mean, it's his that's most popular song, but it's still. I still think it's a very good song. It is, but it's not one of his best. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, this is. I. I. I still think this is like my favorite Billy Joel song. Uh, Zanzibar is a close second. Oh, Zanzibar! Oh, 50 seconds straight, my beloved. I got the old man's call. <laughs> Dude, Zanzibar is such a banger. Yeah, I, I and he be- dropped Fifty Second Street right after this. Oh my god! Frankly, what, I'm, I'm not. Does- I'm not the biggest fan of Fifty Second Street. I acknowledge its goodness, but for all the people saying that it's one of his best albums, I I kind of have to disagree. Maybe it's a bit too jazzy for me. I don't know. If we're talking side B. Um, yeah, that, it's a bit front loaded. Billy Joel's Zanzibar. How does it compare to Gary Nelson's song Zanzibar? I don't know. I haven't listened to that song yet, and I probably won't until you do Romy Month. Anyway, Billy ac- uh, actually kicked George Martin off the project because Martin wanted to bring in like studio guns. And uh, Billy, he wanted to play with the band that he toured with, which is the band that we hear on this album and all the albums after that. But I, I just imagine if, if George Martin actually got his way and, and Billy was is going into the recording set one day and he sees Ringo Starr behind the drums. <laughs> going back to Duolingo. Imagine Duolingo is just on the drums and who, who, it's just on the guitar. Duo Ringo. And, uh, Duo Ringo. And uh, the Count Sensor is in there somewhere. <laughs> the, the Count Sensor on the keyboard or Al- whatever. Alternate universe where Billy Joel is plays the Count Sensor with the Count instead of just the way you are with Oscar and uh, the chick from Coda. Yes. The chick oh, from Coda. Oh my gosh, wait. You guys, um, wait. Did you say Duo Ringo? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just realized that. <laughs> yes, we need to make that Photoshop. Yeah, someone needs to make an edit. Duolingo owl with Ringo Starr's face on top of him. <laughs> or Ringo with like the Duolingo yes, eyes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be the Ringo. That would be Duolingo hilarious. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Yeah. But ultimately, uh, Billy Joel kicked George Martin off the stranger. George Martin, a world class producer, was produced some of the greatest uh, albums of the 1960s. And this is still awesome. Just go- True. It, it just goes to show you don't you don't need the big faces to make something great. You can just drop something so fire with people who you've never even heard of exactly. before. Or maybe exactly. Mr. Joel was just very cocky at the That's time. That's why I'm making a pitch. I'm, I mean, he's or a he, young he's a he young like, man. I need you. No, I'm, I'm making a pitch for like a film or something right now, and I think it's gonna be interesting. So <laughs> yeah, ho- hopefully that works out. Because <laughs> if I can get with like, I'm hoping to get a union, but, uh, you know, <laughs> money. Yeah. Money exists. Darn money. Money is the reason we exist. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I love this, the story of scenes from an Italian restaurant as Billy reminiscing on his friends Brenda and Eddie getting married young, and then they start having marital problems, and then they get a divorce, and, like, then there's, like, the instrumental break where Billy yells, Rock and roll! <laughs> 
Love it, love it. And then there's like a ripping clarinet solo somewhere in the middle of the song. It, it's dope. the album uh this is kind of beatles-esque he said i've always admired the b-side of abbey road which is essentially a bunch of songs strung together by george martin what happened was the beatles didn't have completely finished songs or wholly fleshed out ideas and george said what do you you got john said well i got this and paul said i got that they all sat around and went "Hmm, we can put this together and that'll fit in there and that's pretty much what i did it has to be said george martin is an is one of the unsung heroes of the beatles he's actually who i consider to be the fifth beatle he's literally the fifth one yeah. 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 Like I hear yeah, these these strings, they remind me so much of like Golden Slumbers. So true. This is like oh, they, it's perfect. It's I I I, I, I wonder. Whole, I wholeheartedly think that this is the best Billy Joel song, and I will die on that hill. I need to find yeah. the absolute worst Billy Joel song and then say, "Oh, this is his best work." <laughs> yes. Yes. Do it. Do yeah. it. Just listen It'll to something. Just listen to uh, the bridge or River of Dreams. You're about I like to River find, of Dreams. Like no, the albums, not the not the song River of Dreams. Uh, the least rated album of someone is bound to have his their worst song on it. Like uh, with the Beatles, it's got Little Child. It's got uh, Not a Second Time, <laughs> Devil in Her Heart. Would you consider these to be the worst Beatles songs? Yes, I would, because nothing good comes off of with the Beatles. It's so I have to mid. look at the track listing to see what songs <laughs> I liked off of with the Beatles. Um, <laughs> I'm sure like two songs. Um, I mean, yeah, it it has all my loving. All my, all, all my, my loving is a yeah, song. all my loving. When I was good. a kid, loved Beatles songs. Just mm. love them. Yeah, I didn't get into the Beatles until I was like in my in my transition between freshman year and sophomore year. Until then, Oof. I was into... What freshman? <laughs> this is a genuine question. We have middle school and high school, but we have it in grades. So what is freshman as a grade and uh, sophomore as Freshman and You Canadians are so weird. We have it as grades. I'm getting extreme culture set. shock right Come now. Come on. <laughs> but anyway, yes, I was, in, I was around 14 to 15 is when I got into the Beatles. Um, I was 13? Yeah. 8th grade. 8th grade for me. Anyway, I was a sperm when I first got into Billy Joel because his music is infused within <laughs> all of us when we are conceived. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, my dad does it a lot, so I guess uh, when I was a young child as well. I guess when I was a sperm, I was kind of infused with uh, only Foreigner, Meatloaf, uh, some other artists. Uh, I, I guess Iron Maiden, and on my mom's side, uh, I was probably conceived with Debbie Gibson, 
Wilson Phillips. Uh, I'm just going off the albums that my parents got from like mm. the whole Columbia House promotion, like where you mm. could get yeah. like 12 cassettes for like a dollar. My mom yeah. always listened to like um, Across the Universe. It's like uh, I don't know what it is. It's called Across the Universe, but it's like a it has like Evan Rachel Wood in it, and like we were all we, she'd always put that on for us. So that's how I got into the Beatles. But oh, I want to yeah. add on to what yeah, you said movie. about um, what you said about Debbie Gibson, Romy, because. Um, because my mom actually got a, a whole lot of comments in high school saying that she looked like Debbie Gibson. Hmm. And at that time in the 90s and 80s, everyone was into Debbie Gibson. So her and her best friend, who's, who used to be her boss, they went to, they saw Debbie Gibson live in concert. They had VIP passes and met Debbie Gibson. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Nice. Actually, well, yeah. I should have gotten a picture with her. I think I was truly infused with the uh, 90s country and... Uh, some other stuff like uh, probably uh, Shania Twain was a big I've one and Britney Spears. <laughs> Britney Spears during her early days. I have been infused with Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, Mine was just old music. That's all I'm calling. Yeah, it's very nineteenth like, century it's, music. It's, it's, it's like the seventies music, eighties uh. music. Anyway, we just missed the super dope accordion solo on Vienna. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for that. Sorry, sorry. Um, I was okay. I'll actually uh, comment on like one of the actual questions we have later. Um, I'm thinking this might be actually good for like music theater people because it's actually telling a story. If your song does not pulling the story along, it mm. won't help with the actual music. So actual musical theater people. You know? Yeah. I think this is like the perfect album to introduce uh, theater kids to because it's one of those rare instances where an album will, per will perfectly like juggle the sensibilities of pop, the pretensions of rock, and the theatrics of show tunes. I Which agree. is funny because there's a Billy Joel musical, a jukebox musical called Moving Out. And when we get and to I the only... Billy Joel concept album, we will look at Moving Out. Yeah, I mostly know it. I yeah. mostly know um, the review said it of... wasn't a concept album because the the lyrics of this, each song just didn't connect with each other. There is the oh, I must have misheard you. There is the reprise of the stranger at the end of everybody has a dream, yeah. but uh, I don't think that itself qualifies as a concept album because i could i could do the same thing i could just do an instrumental reprise of a song earlier in the album and just have it mean nothing yeah um i yeah. mostly know moving out because um my friends in show choir used to do the medley of river of dreams keeping the faith in only the good die young the latter of which we are listening to right now yeah. Uh, speaking of Only the Good Die Young, um, allow me to tell a very interesting story about it. It originally started as a reggae song. Wow! Oh. I'd actually like that. Yeah. Do you like it that Billy Joel was originally going to sing it in a faux patois accent? Oh no. Oh. Leave that to Sting. Yeah, he could have just sang, he could have ended up accidentally writing past the duchy. <laughs> Um, the only person who could, uh, stop Billy from recording this, like, a horribly offensive version was his drummer, Liberty DeVito. Yes, that is his actual name. DeVito. He, like, Liberty DeVito. He said, why are you singing like that? The closest you've been to Jamaica was the Long Island Railroad. Oh, yeah, that kind of radiates some sort of energy, like, uh, 
when the Beatles traded one of their members for Kirk Hammond, and they were like, Kirk, what is that sound? It sounds like a dying pig. The and Beatles they, could have almost they, invented thrash metal that day. but Yeah, but it did work out. They made Here Comes the Sandman. Uh, um, that, that, that is that a reference, is a reference to, to, to Magic, Magic Mike. Mike. Yeah. Hey, I don't know that one. Well, send like, you, it's a guy on YouTube. Um, I'll send you some videos just to get a taste of him. I just sent you top five band members of the Beatles, <laughs> which is the the video I just referenced. Yeah. Okay, anyway, I'll watch it after. Anyway, um, honestly, even though DeVito convinced Joel to get rid of the reggae stuff, for some reason this song still sounds like a reggae song to me. I don't know why. It, it, it has it that does. it has that bouncy feel, you know? Yes. Yeah. But it's 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 got that reggae like shuffle. I don't know. And also, do you want to know where Billy Joel first wrote this song? Where? He while well, he was opening up for the Beach Boys in Knoxville, Tennessee. Wow, that is that's pretty cool. So the next time I forget that the Beach Boys still existed after the sixties. <laughs> they still exist. They just don't exist with Brian Wilson, so they're they're pointless now. So yeah, so they don't exist. They played in my area as late as 2016. <laughs> they, they, you don't, you guys don't get like a lot of summer, so why would they show up? <laughs> I mean, we we had like a really blazing summer. Yeah. This summer, yeah, yeah. It, it was extremely hot. It was too that hot. Whole, the, it's because of that damn hole in the ozone layer. Anyway, um, so the song Only the Good Die Young is about premarital sex, which resulted in a, a lot of Catholic groups trying to ban the song, which only made it more popular. Of course. It's something the 1001 yeah. Album Club, a podcast that is better than this one, likes to call the Barbra Streisand effect. For context, oh. um, someone took a picture of Barbra Streisand's uh, house without her consent, so she ordered the uh, photo be taken down. But the uh, existence of the picture that was threatened to be banned only resulted in it getting more popular, which resulted in it getting like more downloads, including Streisand's own legal team. Oh, that that same thing happened to Axl Rose when some unflattering pictures of him at a concert were shown, and, and they were nicknamed Fat Axl, and people were just making just boo jokes, and he got really mad and tried to get him taken down, only for them to return with a vengeance. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, uh, do listen to the 1001 Album Club guys, especially their episode of The Stranger. They're, they've been making some good content, uh, they're, they're the reason, they're my inspiration for doing this old podcast, so I, I, oh. I owe them a huge debt, even though, they're, catch up. even though they're like 20 years above my age. Welcome to the jungle, we got <laughs> tons of cake. For context, I, uh, made, I shared one of the fat axle pictures with the rest of the gang. He looks like Meatloaf for some reason. He looks like a love child of Meatloaf and Guy Fieri. <laughs> oh no! I'm not Guy Fieri! <laughs> you, Guy Fieri! You leave those two beautiful boys out of this. Anyway, um, uh, She's Always a Woman is playing in our cans right now. Which reminds me, um, Idaho. For the people who don't know why I said Idaho, um, there, if there are two things that Idaho is full of, it's potatoes and racists. I'm gonna focus on the racist part this time around because there's this far-right group on Facebook called Idahoans for Liberty in some strange attempt to own the libs post uh, an image with the caption things were different back then and it's a picture of Billy Joel 
and there's text that reads, In 1977, Billy Joel managed to write She's Always a Woman, despite not having a PhD in biology. As if that's, <laughs> as if that is the only way you can identify a woman as a woman. This has oh been Andrew Hates Idaho Racists. But while we're on the Fair subject, enough. I'm going to continue talking about Idaho racists because I hate them, and I love talking about how much I hate them. Neil Young, Southern man moment. <laughs> Can we get a bonus episode on just this rant, please? Yeah. No, this is going <laughs> to... I'm going to make this as uncut as possible. Um, <laughs> the entire song, She's Always a Woman, is about a woman who is flaunting society's conventions on what a woman should be. So, like, the Idahoan racist, sexist people... They have failed in their own interpretation of the song. Yeah, that creates the same energy as, um, one time I read an essay about, like, beauty, and it quoted this song by the Northern Hikes, which is a band you've never heard of because they're Canadian. They have a song, She Ain't Pretty, She Just Looks That Way. And, um, one of the questions for the essay was, what does this mean? Um, it means, and the options included, uh, she's beautiful on the outside, and there are there are more than one there's more than one way to be beautiful and they ignored the true meaning of the song she's pretty on the outside but on the inside she's like a bitch <laughs> b-i-c-t-h very selective I am a more like a b-i-t-c hmm. that was on total drama hmm. i i couldn't help myself but quote that oh um i'm reading some I'm comments on the i'm reading some comments on this idahoan post um Billy Joel didn't exactly give a definition either. And then there's a... The complete verse is, She's always a woman to me. This is Billy's definition, not anyone else's. So yeah, um... This has been Idahoans Should Die. Unless you're an Idahoan listening to this and you have political opinions similar to ours. In which case, we will spare you're, you're you. Right. You're correct. We will we spare, spare you, you when we when we do the, the non-binary apocalypse. <laughs> The sad gay people will inherit the earth. <laughs> Their names people are Luce and Amity. Oh no! And me. Anyway, uh, jazz flute. Did anyone like the jazz flute they just heard in their cans? Yeah. Yeah, yeah love it. Sounds very familiar. Get it, get it Right the First Time was actually one of my least favorite songs on the album at first, but then it just clicked okay, for me. Oh boy, the bonus you. track. I love the bonus track. <laughs> Yeah, everybody has a dream. I think there's a reason Billy put this one as the closer because he knew it was the weakest song, but he knew it was the only song he could close the album out on, you know? Yeah, yeah. I can't really see it like yeah. being placed on any other spot in the album. Watch me place it as the very first song on my mixtape. I would say like swap it with um, scenes from an Italian restaurant because that's a stronger closer, but then it just disrupts the flow of the whole album. Yeah. True. Like, I'm... Um, Scenes from an Italian restaurant is bombastic, but everybody has a dream is like a gospelly farewell. Mm -hmm. And then there's the stranger reprise. I completely forgot this song was six minutes. Uh, but I think I think the the reprise to the stranger is more like uneasy than just the way you are. That's right. I'm still on that. <laughs> she can ruin your faith with her casual lies, and she only reveals what she wants you to see. She hides like a child, but she's always a woman to me. She can lead you to love, she can take you or leave you. She can ask for the truth, but she'll never believe. And 
she'll take what you give her as long as it's free. Yeah, she steals like a thief, but she's always a woman to me. Surprise, surprise, many critics didn't like this album, and it's probably because Billy Joel was like a young punk. He's a rebel. Yeah. We're not in the punk movement. Well, he kind but of, it, he, he adopts a new wave in his later albums, but, uh, yeah, he was, love me he was an easy target because he was young and ambitious, and ambitious equals pretentious. This album came out in 77. Mm-hmm. No way. Chris Gow himself, yes, that Chris Gow, you'd wonder what he thinks of this album. Well, given our, our last Billy Joel episode when he did Piano Man... It's safe to say he doesn't think highly. Allow me to read you his review. Uh, Melissa, Robert Criscow is the critic for The Village Voice, and he is an easy punchy bag for us. Okay. Having concealed his egotism and metaphor as a young song poet, he achieved success when he uncloseted the spoiled brat behind those bulging eyes. But here, the brat appears only once in the (laughs) nominally metaphorical guise of the stranger. The rest of Buddy has more or less grown up. He's now as likable as your once rebellious and still tolerant uncle who has the quirk of believing that OPEC was designed to ruin his air conditioning business. B minus. I feel like this is one of the most like personal, like biased Chris Cow reviews we've seen so far. Yeah. Imagine if I paid like Michael Keaton or Brian Cranston to read this. No. No. Don't do it. What about Bob Odenkirk? (laughs) We know Bob Dylan reading this. Who would be anyone reading that? No. Who would be the perfect guy to play Chris Cow in a Chris Cow biopic? Um. I guess William Shatner or George Takei. <laughs> or in a movie about a, about a musician or someone. Is, How about... It uh, is within my personal belief that I should play Chris Gow because I think I know exactly how to say his reviews in a way that makes me sound like an <laughs> evil supervillain. Yeah. Chris Gow biopic win. I'd actually enjoy that. No, it's just an hour and a half of me reading my favorite Chris Gow reviews. <laughs> and the more I go along, the more evil and biased they get. Oh no. <laughs> Like, we go from A plus at the end. to F. <laughs> this is, it's gonna be. A plus. And I'm gonna release A-neg- it to film festivals. A plus to A negative. Yeah. A negative. F negative. I can't think right now. I'm sorry. Um, in- Wait, has Robert Crisco ever done F reviews? Can you find one? I, I don't know if he's done F reviews. I know he did an E A- review for E-review. Black Sabbath, in which he called it bullshit necromancy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Though the, the one year yeah. anniversary of that episode is coming up soon. That's so weird to think about. Um, um, in 1985, though, uh, Chris Gow did uh, reflect on Billy Joel by saying, He's pretentious, but never pious. Going for the pop juggler is all he knows. The worst you can say about him is that half the time his aim isn't perfect. And the worst you can say about this album, which is a compilation album, is that he baited it with two new misses. A minus. <laughs> I found him. Um... I found an E minus review. <laughs> oh no! Oh god, what does what it say? It There's me, two. Me. Um, I don't. I think it's Kim Folly. I'm bad, and the titular album by this one band called Aorta. I don't know. I'm bad. I'm nothing against hype, but it's a little low to distribute. Snazzy jackets containing black di- blank discs. Caffeine emptor. E minus. <laughs> and wow. then the other one, Aorta. Here we go. 
Rescued from my second apartment, well, second listen pile by a reader's tentative C rating. This one is a caricature of the new releases that glut the stores, not to mention my workroom. Badly sung, ranging from pseudo-soul to imitation happenings, full of pretentious production effects, another disaster from Dunwich Productions. It's silly lyrics reproduced proudly within the double fold, yet someone bought it and listened to it, and I can almost understand what a gap there is between people who pay for their records and those who hear everything free. As a final insult, group members are listed upper right, upper left, etc. E minus. That man can oh go. My. That man goes down and dirty when he wants to. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. We should really. One of my favorite Chris Guy moments is when he reviewed John Lennon's Imagine, and he used the words psychotherapeutically lugubrious to describe the track How. An E-minus record is an organically conceived masterpiece that repays with repeated <laughs> listening with a sense of horror in the face of the void. <laughs> it is unlikely to be marred by one listenable cut. I, I love this man, and I hate him. His but honestly, honestly, I, I love him more than I hate him. Fair, fair. Also, the album Some just... Some just love to hate or hate to love. So, the album just ended in our cans right now. This looks like it's a good time to play it again. I don't mind. I love this album. Wait, did it not Spoilers. play? <laughs> Does it? Did it not play? Please join the voice. <laughs> it's doing, it's doing the same thing. Yeah, we have a we have a new music player now. Isaiah, you know how to do it. Um. Okay, hold on. Let me just try again, and then I'll leave Rachel in. Okay, here, there you go. All right. Anyway, um, let's talk about the album cover, where a, a barefoot Billy Joel in a suit looks like looks at a weird mask, and there are boxing gloves hanging on a wall. What do you think Did Vince Gilligan mean by this? Why? Uh, nothing. I have no ideas. I'm just Is this... why. Billy Joel just predicted dream. That's it. <laughs> it would have been so much cooler That's if Billy Joel is. was dream. <gasps> Billy Joel dream confirmed? <laughs> I wish. Um, it's well believed that the mask belongs to the stranger. The, the titular stranger. There are also boxing gloves. The boxing the gloves also belong are? to the stranger. The is, is Billy Joel a stranger? Like, everything just belongs to the stranger. That's how it goes. Everything belongs to the stranger. I belong to the stranger. This podcast belongs to the stranger, guys. Podcast brought to you by the stranger. Hmm. Thank you for my TED talk. Yes. This place by the fire belongs to the stranger. I'm looking at the grades for the Chris Cow stuff. Oh. And it's so fun. <laughs> These are so funny. Um, yeah, I, I always love yeah, it. A D plus is an appalling piece of pimp work or a thoroughly botched token of sincerity. There is an album there he did also... give a D plus to that I would love to talk about, but we're not there yet. And there's also, um, it is um, it is impossible to understand why anyone would buy a D, D minus, or E plus record. And then E records are frequently cited as proof <laughs> that there is no God. <laughs> Oh wow! Me when I this, to the Ramones. This guy was an <laughs> this guy was an Mimi Edgelord before the terms were created. You're very edgy. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this album sold 10 million units in the United States, 500,000 in Canada, 377,000 in Japan, 100,000 in the UK, Whoa. and 15,000 in New Zealand. That's more than I have of anything. It never uh, reached to number one. But it did tie for number two in Australia, Canada, New Zealand, and the United States. And it reached uh, number 36 in the Netherlands. The Netherlands. Yeah. The Netherlands. Yeah. Nice. Nothing happens in the Netherlands. Nothing bad ever happens in the Netherlands. Yes. So, yeah. Um, 
I feel like we should, now's an opportune time to go around the room now. Uh, Romy, yesterday you stated this was a 10. Uh, yes. You know what? I'm gonna be a bit bold, a bit controversial. I'm a second you on that 10. Yeah. Because, um, it's just, it's a very consistent listen, and it's just a listen that never gets tiring. Like, when I found out we were gonna do this album, I listened to it, like, every day of the week. And I d oh. it just didn't get tired of it. It has its faults. It has some of the songs that I'm not too crazy about. Like, Only the Good Die Young kind of gets grating after listening to it for all years. And uh, the last two songs may not be as memorable as everything, but I wouldn't have this album any other way. It gets its job done, and it has great songs, and it just... It's, it's the closest Billy Joel will ever get to a masterpiece. So yeah, 10 out of 10. I guess you could say, I like this album just the way it is. Unintended? <laughs> yeah. Isaiah, um, what would you give this album? I adore this man's music. Um, and that's it. I'm going to give it a 9.9 .9 just because I still can't get behind the closing track, despite this being like the sixth time I listened to this album. But yeah, yeah love this one. Uh, the guy on the 1001 album cloud said the chorus sounded like eagles. <laughs> oh! As a not fan of the Eagles, that makes me smile. We we essentially got three tens in a row. I think this is going to be the album that's finally going to topple Bear a Pop Opera. Oh, magic good reason. Uh, Melissa, you go next. Uh, out of ten, what would you give this? Oh, what you guys are comparing it to so much. So I think I'm just going to go with a nine because I don't know if we're going to see anything higher or lower. Uh, it seems like this is the best you guys are thinking. So yeah, Riley. I I don't know oh, we're nine. Mm. Another nine. All right. Um, I mentioned earlier that this album seems to be like the perfect juggling between rock, pop, and musical theater, which might be why all the theater kids are rating it so highly. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, where do we go next? Clearly, we've reached like the pinnacle. There can never be like another album that'll uh, infuse rock, pop, and show tunes so flawlessly. But I have to remind you guys that that isn't the point of the podcast. Sure, we can look for the most theater rock rock album there is, but that that could just be a side venture. This podcast is about introducing rock music to theater kids. It doesn't matter what rock it is. It could be like the most listenable like Beatles pop rock to the most unlistenable like thrashy death metal ever. It could be the compilation albums you find at the record section of a Target store. Or it could be like some obscure new wave or post-punk gem found in the bottom crate of a record store. If it's rock, I'm going to put it on this podcast. Beautiful so speech. this is not the end. This, we have not reached the climax. This is only the beginning. Woo! Yo. The music fits perfectly. It does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, this is just point zero four points short of Bear a Pop Opera. Oh. <gasps> oh. I am oh, shaking and crying right now, guys. You have no idea. I thought maybe, okay, maybe, what? just maybe Love we'd it find it. 9.5. It's a 9.5 for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gotta get this down. We gotta get it. Come on. We can do this. We gotta make this for Billy. Just like that. Uh, <laughs> Melissa, change your score to a 9.5. No, no, it worked. It worked. This is number one, yeah! baby. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> yeah! Yeah! 9.6. Yo, Bear Pop Opera is still a masterpiece, but 
This is Billy Joel's The Stranger, gosh darn it. It's Billy Joel! What can you expect? Yeah. <laughs> Alright, um, and on that note, time to spin the wheel! Oh god. Let's go! Wheel of Fortune! And if we land on a concert wheel album or a rock opera, we have to look at a theater album for episode 89. And remember, this is... Tell us the lesson that we should learn! And remember, The right Stranger the isn't the pinnacle. The Stranger is not the climax. We are st we're still going ahead. And the next album we'll be looking at is Genesis Nursery Crime. Oh, oh, oh Lord. This is gonna go. Oh, I'm gonna have to write a whole script for this. Oh No more no, this no, is it's this not, is the it's Peter not Gabriel. Era. It's Peter Gabriel era. It's the good era. It's the good well. Ugh. Oh my. No. I mean, it's debatable. I do like some of the Phil albums, just not like. I love me some Phil Collins Genesis. Peter Gabriel is a separate beast entirely. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a subject for another episode. Okay, oh, thank so you. Take the phone off the hook and disappear for a while It's alright, you can't afford to lose a day or two Ooh. When will you realize Vienna waits for you And you know that when the truth is told That you can get what you want Or you can just get old You're gonna kick off before you Don't you realize Vienna waits for you? When will you realize Vienna waits for you?